Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think finding new sources of data that are reliable, that are comprehensive, that are timely, that's key to this. And that's why we're making such an investment in open banking why we've recently started taking in rental data and why we're engaging now with buy now, pay later players who are starting to contribute their data into the Bureau. And I'm sure that will be a very rich source of data. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers. I'm your host, Brendan Lagrange. And yes, I'm sick and croaky again. I have been working in consumer lending for the last 20 years first with credit card and personal loan issuers across Africa, then as a consultant in the Nordic, Southeast Asia and the UK, and now as the chief solution architect of ConfirmU, a fintech that's gamifying access to credit among the unbanked. Check out our story in episode 24. But prior to this role, I was doing industry-level research for one of the big credit bureaus, and one of my defining projects there was a deep dive into the true value generated by consumers monitoring their own credit reports. Prior to my study, I'd only seen this addressed as a single question. Do consumers who monitor their own credit data regularly see improving credit scores? Now, if you were only going to pick one metric to track, that would be the one. But the fact is consumers can monitor their credit for many reasons. And those varying reasons can dilute the observable benefit if you only look at the change in score. For every consumer trying to keep their credit in check, there might be one who's just gathering the paperwork they need to finalize an unavoidable bankruptcy. There may be one looking for a new mortgage or a new auto loan or a new credit card, or just making sure there's no fraudulent use of their identity. All activities that don't need the score to improve to have helped the consumer meet their goals. So in other words, consumer self-monitoring is a complex and dynamic space. And that was four years ago. So much has changed since, which we'll hear all about from today's guest, TransUnion UK's Kelly Fielding. Hi, Kelly, and uh, welcome to the show. Good morning, Brendan. Thank you for inviting me to join you. It's lovely to see you. You are the Managing Director for Consumer Interactive at TransUnion in the UK. And that's a function that used to just be about making it possible for consumers to get a copy of their own credit report. But after the last decade or so, it's grown into something much, much bigger. Let's start our chat today by expanding on that. Who are you and what does Consumer Interactive mean in the context of TransUnion and the more general context of the modern credit bureau? Well, as you said, I lead the consumer interactive business at TransUnion here in the UK. TransUnion is a global information and insights business. And the part that I run helps consumers better manage their finances. So that's either directly or via partners. We provide consumers with access to their credit report, their score, 
and a suite of education tools and educational content so that they can better understand their financial position, make smarter financial decisions. I've worked in the industry for 20-something years now, starting at a business called Core Credit, which was acquired about three years ago by TransUnion. And as you said, we, we started out just providing the statutory reports. And like the other bureaus, we also had a subscription service where consumers would pay something like £15 a month to access their report. But in around 2013, we did something that was pretty disruptive in the market. We, we launched the first free service, which was called Noddle. And that allowed consumers to access their report, their score, get alerts to any changes and correct any errors on their report. And that's really important, correcting errors to make sure it's all accurate. They could do that all for free. And then when TransUnion acquired the business, we made the strategic decision to divest of Noddle to Credit Karma, who run a, a great website now for consumers to access their data for free. And now my team is solely focused on helping our partners to use our services to build trust and empower their consumers. More recently, we've, we've expanded the consumer interactive family, if you like, further through our investment in, and a strategic partnership with Minevo. And Minevo is a personal credit platform that connects consumers who are searching through price comparison sites, connects those consumers with products that suit their individual circumstances. So we can now allow consumers to understand their score, to improve it, and then be presented with cards and loans that they are eligible for. I sit on the board of that business as a non-exec director, and I'm really excited about what we can achieve when we bring both of those businesses together. I've been working in consumer credit for over a decade, I think, before I first heard about it being possible to check your own credit report. And a few years more before I realized it might be useful for anything more than checking on some clerical errors. So for those who might be similarly out of the loop, what are the benefits a consumer would get from checking their credit data? I mean, I guess it's a little bit like a doctor, you know, wanting to go for a physical exam. You know, you should do it, but it feels a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> you can feel a little bit judged at times. What would a consumer get out of taking that first step and looking at their data and setting that up as a habit? So quite like going to the doctors, consumers should think of their credit report and score as a financial health check or a financial passport. It plays a really important part in life. And that can be from enabling everyday purchases, you know, from getting a mobile phone contract, paying for a holiday, through to buying a car or, or mortgaging your first home. You know, your credit score report helps lenders decide whether or not to offer you credit and at what rate. Regularly checking your credit report can also help you ensure that the information held is correct, which is really important to making sure that when you're coming to make an application that you've got the right opportunity to do so. Equally, it's, it's not just about finance. Your credit report can help you monitor for identity fraud. It might be one of the first places you can spot any potential signs of someone trying to use your identity in a scam. This is more important than ever. Our recent figures are showing that a third of our consumers have been targeted with digital fraud attempts during the pandemic. Yeah, I think it's a great point to call out because I feel like there's a bit of a messaging gap where most of the stories you hear talk about strategies to optimize your credit score. And they talk about it in the context of getting that next credit card, getting that next loan. And for an international audience that can maybe feel a little bit of an American thing as something that might not matter as much in a country like the UK, where people only have one credit card on average, maybe 1.1 credit cards, you know, they're not looking for five credit cards in their wallet. And they can see those strategies and think, well, maybe it doesn't apply to me. But even if you're in a market with less consumer credit activity, and even if you have no short or medium term plans to take out new credit, 
there are these upsides like the fraud prevention from having that oversight. Now, yeah, it's probably a little bit unfair to label it as an American thing, but yeah, you were doing this 10 years ago. And so it's obviously established already in the UK. But in my mind, there's a significantly higher level of public discourse, at least on credit reports and credit scores in America. Or do you see similar awareness now spreading in the UK? I think you're absolutely right that credit scores in the US are better understood. We're told that Americans ask lenders, my score is 750, what can you offer me? And they discuss it openly with friends over dinner. But it, it hasn't quite penetrated the UK consumer psyche in the same way. What's been really positive to see recently, though, is there's, there's definitely a growing awareness of the importance of regularly monitoring your credit information. And that's been particularly evident through the pandemic. TransUnion has been conducting a consumer pulse study to track the impact of the pandemic consumer finances and found at the end of 2021 that almost half of UK consumers are now monitoring their credit score at least monthly. And that's up from a third at the start of May 2020. Downside is our data has also shown that a quarter of people have never checked it, which is worrying given the important role that this information plays in you know, helping people get access to finance and protecting their identity. Yeah, that's interesting. In several episodes now, I've spoken to people in collections and we've spoken about the increased awareness of collections and payment accommodations post-pandemic. So all consumers, whether they actually needed help with collections or help with payment holidays, are aware of them just because it became such a, a common point of discussion in newspaper headlines and such. And I'm glad to hear that that sort of spreading awareness of the tools available to borrowers is extending to things like credit scores and the value in in uh, viewing those. Speaking of that, of, of consumers accessing their own credit reports, you mentioned Noddle and, and our Credit Karma, but what ways do consumers have of accessing their credit reports? I know that, you know, long ago now, but I was piloting one of these programs in another market and it was a case of having to print them out and read them on a sort of a physical printout. It's obviously a lot more advanced and simple than that these days. But what are the tools people are using to keep a track of their credit reports? Well, the good news for consumers is that it's really easy now to access credit data in, you know, in this digital world we live in. There are lots of websites and apps that offer free online access to your report. So aside from Credit Karma, there is also Totally Money and Money Supermarket provide TransUnion credit reports and scores for free. So consumers can track, you know, how they're faring. And some banks and finance providers are now making the information available directly as well. So we partner with NatWest and Lloyds and, and Monzo, for example. If you're a consumer of those, you know, you can go into the app and see the TransUnion credit score. And most of these sites provide additional tools, quite interactive tools or personalized guidance to help you better understand the information and, you know, really get value from it. And if it's just a one-off copy of your report that you need, that's still available via our website or even offline if you, if you haven't joined the digital age. And that raises what might be a slightly more delicate question, I suppose, but my audience is primarily lenders, and I assume they're going to have the same question I had when I first heard of that sort of credit karma model, where these apps are paying for, or these lenders will be paying for a credit report out of their own pockets and then handing it to their customers for free. What are the upsides to the lenders or to these platforms? Is it just goodwill or are they benefiting as well by providing this better education to their customers? More informed customers are typically better customers. 
in terms of score improvements, engagement, loyalty, and, and ultimately revenue. Let me share some stats with you from our recent research to prove this point a bit more scientifically. So we found that 53% of self-monitoring consumers increased their credit score in, in the six months post-registration, which would make them potentially eligible for new products, so more people to sell to for the service provider. Self-monitoring helps them file consumers move to full file. So again, making them eligible for, for more products. And a quarter of self-monitoring consumers who were thin file at registration moved to full file after six months. Now that compares to only 9% of the UK in general. So I think that indicates that self-monitoring is a really powerful tool for you know, helping people build a credit profile. The younger generations who are most likely to be credit hungry are also most likely to be engaged with these tools. So we found that 63% of Gen Z consumers or Gen Z, 63% of Gen Z consumers monitored their file monthly, which is almost twice that of older generations. So it's a great way to acquire younger customers and start building a long-term relationship with them. And we have data that shows self-monitoring consumers outperform the UK population in terms of origination and balance growth. So, for example, we've seen self-monitoring customers grow their on-brand balances by 25 to 35% over the initial six months. And that compares to 5 to 15% for consumers who haven't signed up. So I think to summarize all of that, really, the, the lender benefits by providing engagement tools that help them build trust, build loyalty. It provides a cross-sell opportunity and ultimately, you know, it helps them better monetize their, their customer base. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And you mentioned there that self-monitoring consumers increase their credit scores. And for the majority of people, increased credit scores mean more access to credit. But there are, unfortunately, some consumers that are struggling and an increase in your score, an improvement in your score is actually about getting out of delinquency, getting out of financial strife. Have you also seen that sort of positive behavior in terms of delinquent consumers getting out of delinquency with the help of self-monitoring? Yes, credit education and monitoring can help consumers improve their payment behavior. We, we've analyzed consumers who were in arrears at a point in time and then looked at their payment status 12 months later and found that a higher proportion of customers who were self-monitoring had improved their arrear status compared to a random population of the UK. So it does support improved payment behavior. Okay. Then as you said, the, the positive flip side is how does providing monitoring services to borrowers help support new account openings? So one of the tools we've recently launched with clients, which is, is proving really popular, is a score simulator which allows consumers to see what the impact of their actions 
might be. So if, if for example, they'll stimulate opening a new line of credit or, or paying off a balance, you can then see what Im- impact that would have on your credit score. That's a really powerful tool for consumers because it helps them understand what impact their actions will have and helps them make more informed decisions. But we found it's also a really useful predictor of future behavior for lenders because consumers go on to do what they simulated. So we found that 54% of self-monitoring customers went on to complete the simulated action within six weeks of using the tool. Now it's becoming, I think, maybe a bit of a theme here where I um, compare everything to open banking. But to me, the underlying concepts here of you know, giving consumers access to their data, allowing them to, to control it, carries echoes of a theme of giving consumers in general more control of their data, making it more transportable, which, at least in my mind, is a simple way of describing the philosophy of open banking. Obviously not the technology, but that idea of now, open banking is another one of the, the quivers in your bow. And TransUnion has obviously been investing a lot of resources in building out its open banking offerings. What is your approach to open banking and your sort of thinking behind it within, I guess, the consumer interactive umbrella? Open banking is really high on our agenda at TransUnion. And that's for a couple of reasons. It provides access to a more real-time granular source of data that can enable more insight and and better decisions on behalf of both consumers and lenders. Plus, and this is subject to consumers' consent, obviously, it can be used throughout the consumer lifecycle rather than just at the point of application. So that allows us to identify important changes in consumer behavior, which gives the lender an opportunity to step in and, and offer help or more appropriate services you know, that could be new lending needs or it could be that the consumer is, is heading into trouble and, you know, it provides some good warning indicators that allow the lender then to help the consumer. Now, I think open banking and, and subsequently open finance is the start of a shift towards consumer having increased power to contribute their own data and see how it's used to their benefit. And the good thing for them is they have full control over how it's used, how often it's used, because it's all governed by explicit consent. And talking there about shifting trends and new trends starting, we've obviously just been through two years of rapid change and oh yeah, on all fronts, but especially with things relating to making digital journeys, digital transactions possible. And open banking is obviously a technology that's well suited to enabling consumers to start new relationships and carry on transactions in the online world. Have you seen any impact on the degree to which open banking was adopted, or even the ways in which it was adopted during the pandemic or because of the pandemic? We've seen open banking adoption increase during the pandemic, particularly amongst young consumers who are showing a desire for credit coming out of the pandemic. The data is proving to be helpful for some lenders to ensure that they can lend safely and responsibly to that group. And and that's TransUnion's focus on open banking, really. It's about driving financial inclusion, you know, making credit accessible to thin file customers, subprime customers and near prime customers. I think this data will break down some of the barriers we see in the traditional lender ecosystem and empower customers who are increasingly willing to share their data. And, And the key thing is that there must be a value exchange. So what we're seeing is consumers will give access to their data if there's a real benefit to them. And that's likely to be, you know, something's quicker, easier or cheaper. So if you look at insurance, for example, where you can now share your driving performance data to obtain lower premiums or rental data is another example. It's still early in the adoption curve, but but I fully expect it will become the norm to use open banking data 
you don't have to go too far back to when people were reluctant to share location data and put their payment card details into an app. And now that's second nature. And I've no doubt that open banking will become the same thing. So as I say, it's early days, but there's lots of ways consumers can benefit from proactive data contribution. And we're really excited to you know, play a part in enabling all that. We, we want to give consumers the ability to easily access this data in a really clear and transparent way that helps them build confidence and, and financial awareness. Yeah, I'm a big fan of open banking myself, but it's an interesting trend that I feel is popping up in more and more applications. You know, with this podcast, I would say it was almost one in three, maybe even one in two episodes. Somebody's talking about their plans to use open banking within their lending operations, but it's usually in the back end and therefore a little bit out of sight, which does make it quite hard to work out how well it is really being adopted in the market. Who is open banking benefiting and how? Well, I think as the the maturity and adoption of open banking increases, it's going to provide benefits throughout the ecosystem. So for consumers, if it's used in an application journey, the consumer will benefit from improved journeys and increased likelihood of acceptance. I think particularly for consumer interactive, the interesting part is that the data can also be used in tools to educate the consumer. So we can give them a greater insight into the, the application and customer management processes and allow them access to personalized coaching content to help them understand their finances, which again should should ultimately result in score improvements and greater product choice. And it can be very effective at building consumer trust and engagement. And then for lenders and price comparison websites, open banking facilitates onboarding of previously underserved audiences where credit files weren't available. And on the other hand, they're likely to see a reduction in bad debt by using recent data, you know, to identify income shocks, for example, that they could have identified in you know, almost real time. We've been working with a leading UK bank, actually, which incorporated our open banking solution into its originations journey for card customers. And they've streamlined the onboarding process by automating income verification. And that's enabled them not only to assess and accept more consumers, but it's also saved them £3 million in cost to date with that automation. So with the open banking, with all the access to credit reports and the innovation that's happening there, It sounds like you're in one of the faster changing and, dare I say, more exciting parts of the credit bureau industry, which I guess means we're expecting just as much change in the years to come. What's next on your horizon for you and for Consumer Interactive? Yes, so I think in the short term, we're focusing a lot of our efforts on financial inclusion. So, for example, helping ThinkFile customers build a a credit profile or helping the self-employed sector have been hardest hit by COVID. I think finding new sources of data that are reliable, that are comprehensive, that are timely, that's key to this. And that's why we're making such an investment in open banking, why we've recently started taking in rental data and why we're engaging now with buy now, pay later players who are starting to contribute their data into the Bureau. And I'm sure that will be a rich, albeit very complicated, a very rich source of data. We also made the investment in Minevo, and that is to expand our capabilities across the consumer credit lifecycle with eligibility or pre-qualification services. So that means that we can now not only allow consumers to understand their credit score, but we can also then use it to find personal credit products that are suited to them so they can apply with confidence of, of being accepted. Our strategy will always be based on enabling consumers to have a greater awareness of the power of their own data and how they can use it to help achieve their goals. We call this information for good at TransUnion. We were the first in the UK to offer free credit scores 
and we will continue to disrupt the competition with innovations that are in the best interest of the consumer. That will be products that promote financial health, but as a result, promote mental well-being as well. That is more important given the impact of COVID on the health and wealth of some of the segments of the population. Yeah, that's actually a really nice message because we've talked a lot about it in collections in recent episodes where people would be put through rather unpleasant processes and it was almost used by lenders, it felt like a, you know, a strategy that if we make it unpleasant, you know, people will pay us back. But there was that trauma, that sort of mental health burden that consumers were paying. And I hadn't thought about it in originations. It's the same, that consumers that are, you know, the lower income, the more vulnerable consumers are the ones who every time they need credit have to go through a pretty stressful process and more we can do to take that unnecessary stress out of a process that should just be, you know, fairly neutral, uh, the better. Thank you, Kelly, so much for joining me. Um, I guess it's a little bit more complicated than normal. If consumers want to find out more about accessing their credit reports, where should they go and look? And if lenders or platforms want to learn more about how they can use some of their tools within their businesses, where should they go and look to find out more about what you're doing? So the best place to start is is the TransUnion website, transunion.co.uk. And on there, there's lots of information and clicks out to all of the free reports core services that we partner with. And then there's also lots of information and contact details for businesses on how we can help them better engage their consumers with Credit View, which is our consumer interactive tool and lots of exciting innovations to come. Great. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This has been How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe. It really does help the show. And like and share the content on LinkedIn. And while you're there, send me a connection request. The show is written, recorded, and edited by myself, Brendan LaGrange. Show music is by I Am Wake. And full written transcripts and more content can always be found at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.